They shall expel demons. What you need to know about demons, your invisible enemies, by Derek Prince. Part 4, Chapter 20 Demons of Sickness and Infirmity. Another area we need to consider is the body. In chapter 3, I pointed out that Jesus made no hard and fast distinction between healing sickness and healing demons. Correction. Expelling demons. Luke describes the first occasion that Jesus ministered to the sick. All those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. This account makes it clear that many of their sicknesses were caused by demons. Demons can, I believe, be the cause of almost every kind of physical pain and sickness, but it takes discernment to distinguish between sicknesses or pains that have a demonic cause and those that are purely physical. With our limited understanding, we may find it difficult to envision how a spiritual entity such as a demon can occupy a physical space, such as an area of the human body. But whether we understand it or not, the fact is that it happens and that it is depicted frequently in Scripture. The Gospels according, correction, the Gospels record that Jesus Jesus healed the mute, deaf, and blind by expelling demons. Read Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 through 33. Chapter 12, verse 22. Luke, chapter 11, verse 14. In Luke 13, verses 11 through 16, Jesus met a woman who had suffered from what we might call spinal curvature or scoliosis for 18 years. Although her condition seemed to be purely physical, Jesus declared that she had been bound by a spirit of infirmity. On that basis, she set correction. He set her free and she was completely healed. In Mark chapter 9 verse 17, through 29, Jesus dealt with a boy 
who had the symptoms of epilepsy. He confronted it, however, as a dumb and deaf spirit. When the demon was expelled, the boy was healed. Nearly 2,000 years have passed, but the same principles still apply. Over more than 30 years, I have seen hundreds healed from many kinds of sickness or infirmity through deliverance from demons. I will mention just a few cases. Epilepsy. In the early 1970s, a young woman of 18 came to Lydia and me for prayer. She had been diagnosed with epilepsy, which was controlled by medication. When she heard some of my teaching, she wondered if her epilepsy might be caused by an evil spirit. When Lydia and I prayed for her and commanded the demon of epilepsy to leave her, it came out. But then I felt the Lord telling me, your job isn't finished. So I asked the girl, how did your seizure start? Was it through a physical injury? Yes, she replied. I was stuck. I was struck on my head by a baseball, and after that, the seizures started. I explained to her that the physical injury opened the door by which the spirit of epilepsy entered. Now that the spirit has gone out, I said, we need to close the door so that it can't come in again. So Lydia and I laid hands on her head and prayed for the healing of her brain. We remained in contact with the young woman for about two years. During that time, she took no further medication and suffered no further seizures. A few years ago, another woman came to me with her daughter of about 18. Mr. Prince, she said, Ten years ago, you prayed for me, and I was delivered from the spirit of epilepsy. Here's my daughter. She has the same problem. Please pray for her. Ruth and I prayed for the daughter, commanding the demon of epilepsy to leave, and she was healed, just as her mother had been. A friend of mine, an evangelist, was asked to pray for someone with epilepsy. When he came against the epileptic spirit, the spirit, not the person, replied, You fool, I've been medically certified.
Demons know how to adapt to modern medical procedure and terminology. I should add here that two members of our large combined family, not related to one another, have received healing from epilepsy through prayer without any outward manifestation. So Jesus still has different ways to deal with people today. When people come to me for prayer for deliverance from epilepsy, I usually tell them, you need to know that the demon may put up a fight before it leaves. Are you prepared to fight for yourself? If so, I'll fight together with you and we'll win. But if you're not prepared to fight for yourself, I'm not going to fight on my own. In every case that I can remember, the person has been willing to fight and God has given us the victory. I have no faith, however, for people who simply remain passive without taking their own stand against the enemy. As a general rule, I do not pray for those who expect to be released only on the basis of my prayers. A person unwilling to take an active stand against the demon will probably not have the defenses to keep it from returning. Matthew chapter 12 verses 43 through 45 warns us that the evil spirit will return, bringing seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. The experience of Esther described in chapter 6 provides an example of demons trying to return. In chapter 3, correction, in chapter 23, I will give instructions about how to stay free. Blindness, deafness, muteness, and arthritis. In Hawaii, a young man brought to Ruth and me his grandmother, who was about 80 and blind. She was from French-speaking Switzerland, and her mother tongue was French. Although I was not conscious of having any great faith, Ruth and I began to pray for her. Then, speaking in English, I commanded the spirit of blindness to leave the woman. After a few moments, the woman turned to me and said in French, Je vous vois. I can see you. I was both amazed and delighted. 
In 1985, Ruth and I led a ministry team to Pakistan. Because it had been advertised that we it had been advertised that we would pray for the sick, people came from all over Pakistan. Most of them were illiterate and quite undisciplined. One day the woman who in that culture are seated separately were extremely noisy and disorderly. Seeking to establish some discipline, I announced, This morning we will pray only for men. Immediately about 200 men rushed up to our team, all wanting prayer. Ruth and I encountered a man who touched first his lips, then his ears, indicating that he was a deaf mute. Recalling that Jesus had expelled an evil spirit from a deaf mute, I decided to do the same. I cannot say I had any special faith. You deaf mute spirit, I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of this man. I knew the man could not hear me, nor would he understand English, but the demon understood. When I said to the man, Now say, Hallelujah! He opened his mouth and shouted, Hallelujah! I took him to the leader on the platform who began to tell the other people in Urdu about the miracle. This report stirred up faith and people began to bring other deaf mutes to us. In a Muslim civilization, there is an unusually high proportion of such cases. In the next few minutes, Ruth and I cast out deaf-mute spirits from at least ten more men or boys, and all were healed. One exciting case was a boy of about five whose first word was Uma, meaning mama. In 1980, a large conference in South Africa, I was asked to conduct a seminar on healing and deliverance for about a thousand people. The first day I taught on healing, then began praying individually for the sick. The power of God was present, and there were several dramatic healings. Then a woman came forward with arthritis. I asked her, I believe that your arthritis is a demon. Are you prepared to have it cast out? She nodded, so Ruth and I laid hands on her, 
and commanded the demon of arthritis to go. Within a few minutes, she said, All my pain is gone. I am healed. As the people applauded and thanked Jesus, I sensed that their collective faith had risen so that it was no longer necessary to minister to each person individually. I ask all those suffering from arthritis to stand. About 30 people all over the auditorium rose to their feet. After explaining to them what I intended to do, I took authority over every demon of arthritis and commanded them to go in the name of Jesus. Then I told the people standing not to sit down until their pain had left and they knew they were healed. As Ruth and I went on praying for people with other sicknesses, those with arthritis began to sit down one by one. After about 15 minutes, none were left standing. Some weeks later, traveling around South Africa, Ruth and I met several of these people individually, and they confirmed to us that they had been healed that day. Death. In chapter 6, I recounted that both Esther and her daughter Rose were delivered from a spirit of death. The spirit had entered Esther when she had nearly died on the operating table, a moment of special weakness. We need to remember that Satan is a murderer. Read John chapter 8, verse 44. He uses the spirit of death to kill a person who would not die through purely natural causes. This was corroborated by a Christian doctor, head of a clinic, who came to me after a meeting. What you taught us about the spirit of death, he said, has helped me understand people who die without our finding any sufficient medical cause of death. Now I realize that they are victims of the spirit of death. One of my grandsons, himself a minister, had an amazing experience. Here is his testimony. Our daughter, Rebecca, was born with a hole in her heart. She was six in January 1993. She had open-heart surgery to repair it. We were permitted to visit the intensive care ward for only 10 minutes every hour. Before entering the ward, it was necessary to 
to obtain permission uh, to obtain permission from the head nurse. One morning we were waiting in the hallway and 20 other anxious parents. When we were refused entry, we realized something was amiss. I picked up the phone to inquire and the nurse replied that they were having difficulties with one of the children and that we would have to continue to wait. I told other parents and every face went pale. Suddenly the double door swung open and out came the doctor and hospital chaplain. They spoke to the couple standing opposite us and immediately the mother burst into tears. They were ushered quickly into the counseling room. Shortly after this traumatic scene, we all were allowed to enter and visit our children. When we entered the ward, we noticed a doctor standing at the foot of the bed right next to our daughter. The 12-year-old boy in the bed who had undergone surgery that morning was the son of that couple. Glancing at his heart monitor, we saw that it was a flat line. Standing between the two beds, I grabbed my wife's hand and said in a low voice with urgency, I come against the spirit of death in this place in the name of Jesus. Our attention then turned toward our daughter, who was awake and in need of our care. The next morning, as I was walking down the corridor, I saw the boy's father with a smile on his face. I stopped and asked him what had happened. The father told me in amazement, the doctors had given my son no hope. And just like that, he turned around. This morning, he sat up in bed and gave me two thumbs up. My wife and I both know God delivered that boy from the spirit of death. Thank God we knew what to do. Natural or demonic, discerning the cause. In the previous chapters, I have spoken about lying spirits that attack people's minds. In 1994, Ruth and I experienced a different kind of attack from lying spirits. After battling a series of major illnesses for several years, Ruth had received a word from the Lord. Your time of sickness is over. A few weeks later, on a day we had set aside for prayer and fasting, Ruth was attacked by pain in every area of her body 
from her head to her feet. She said, Oh, Lord, please, not again. Through these years, Ruth and I have learned not to give way to infirmity, not to stand on correction, but to stand on God's promises. So she said to me, I know I would feel better if I could worship the Lord, but I don't have the strength. Would you put on the Russian worry correction worship cassette from the conference we did in Moscow last year? I believe it will help me. Ruth was on the floor of our bedroom, and as she began to relax and worship the Lord, she exclaimed, These are lying symptoms, lying spirits, trying to steal God's promise from me. When we took our stand together in the name of Jesus against those lying spirits, Ruth was completely delivered from pain. In God's amazing grace, he went on to grant us a special serendipity for which there is no natural explanation. In Ruth's words, I rose to my feet and went to the kitchen for a glass of water. Suddenly, Derek called to me, Come quickly. When I returned to the bedroom, I gasped. The whole room and adjoining bath were fragrant with the scent of roses, like an English garden. It was as if the Lord himself was there. I fell on my face on the floor in adoration. God had made Ruth and me more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. We came out of that trial with more than we had when we went into it. This experience brought to my mind other Christians who had received a genuine healing from the Lord, against whom Satan had apparently directed lying spirits to undermine their faith and destroy their testimony. We need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 I need to emphasize, however, as I said in chapter 10, that not all sicknesses are caused by demons. Many have other natural causes. This makes it important to identify sickness that are directly caused by demons. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul lists nine supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit available to believers. Of these, there are two that may help us uh, 
to identify demons. Literally, a word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. See verses 8 and 10. I have given a literal translation of these two phrases because the text indicates that each word of knowledge and each act of discerning is an individual gift. Each two operates on a supernatural plane, not as the product of natural reasoning or intelligence. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, the writer says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is this kind of insight that can come through a word of knowledge. It can penetrate the invisible areas of human personality and reveal the identity of evil forces lurking there. Often the revelation comes in the form of a single word or phrase impressed on the mind of the person ministering deliverance or sometimes of the one receiving deliverance. A demon thus identified might be colitis, crippling, asthma, schizophrenia, or cancer. The presence of a demon, however, may not necessarily be revealed supernaturally. It may simply come about in the normal course of personal counseling, in the same way that a doctor may diagnose a disease from the symptoms a patient describes. This chapter and the preceding nine provide a fairly comprehensive survey of some of the most common symptoms of demonic activity. One thing I have found particularly helpful is to identify, if possible, the moment or place of weakness through which a demon gained interest. There is another way demons can be contributory causes of sickness. In chapter 19, I spoke about negative emotional spirits. While not actually causing sickness, they can produce an attitude of mind that either opens the door to sickness or else prevents sick people from receiving their healing by faith. Some examples of such negative spirits are rejection, fear, grief, unforgiveness, 
discouragement, disappointment, and despair. In such cases, it is usually necessary to expel the negative spirit before seeking to minister physical healing. I have related just a few of the occasions on which I have seen the authority of Christ used with great effectiveness against demons, demons of sickness and infirmity. But I still regret the many occasions on which I did not follow the pattern of Christ's aggressive approach to such demons. I have learned that moving on this supernatural plane requires continuing day-to-day dependence on God, trusting Him for discernment and authority. In this ministry, we must affirm with Paul that we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Deliverance from multiple sclerosis and stroke. I will close this chapter with two remarkable accounts of people delivered from demons of sickness or infirmity. The first comes from a lay worker in an American church. A young woman from our church, we will call her Jane, had developed multiple sclerosis. She heard teaching on faith, claimed her healing, and was greatly improved. But she continued to have symptoms and to stumble while on her feet. She testified to her healing through a church service, but added, I still stumble some, and I know there is something more I need. Jane and her sister came to us for prayer about 2.30 one afternoon. She said they had gone through all the prayers to obtain release. Then we started to work. Jane named at least 100 spirits. I was too busy to count them. I have recalled a lot, but not all of them. We worked from 3 until 6.15 p.m., I thought there would be a spirit of MS, but instead she named spirits of all the symptoms. Tiredness, weakness, stumbling, trembling, crying, weeping, mourning, blindness, deafness, choking, suffocation, coldness, paralysis, numbness, torment, fatigue, laziness, idleness, headaches, ear pain, and more. As we prayed, 
all the manifestations of MS grabbed her body, preventing her from standing. She also said she was numb all over. As the spirits came out, she would tell me what part of her body was getting warm and having the sense of feeling return. She got free to her waist and to her hips, then to her knees and legs. Finally, she said, the remaining ones are in my feet. She took off her boots. Her feet felt rigid and cold. She would tell us as the demons were leaving her feet. Finally, she said, there are just two more in my toe. I do not remember the first one, but the second one was complaining. When it left, she jumped up, danced around the room. Jane was totally free from MS. The other remarkable account of deliverance from a demon of sickness comes from a New Zealand evangelist with an international ministry. On June 10th, 1992, when I was conducting a meeting in Katikata, New Zealand, the Lord drew my attention to a woman with crutches whom I called up to the stage. She climbed the stairs with difficulty. She was in terrible pain, she said. She had had osteoarthritis, circulation trouble in her heart, and had suffered from diabetes for 41 years. She had also a stroke after losing her husband two years earlier. The left side of her body had been affected. She limped, was unable to write properly, and was hardly able to converse. She loved singing, but her throat was contracted. In her youth, she added, she had trouble with her periods and had her first D and C, dilation and curatage. She was aged 14. Later, she had miscarriages. I commanded every spirit affecting her to flee, particularly the spirit of stroke. Following my prayer, she almost ran down the stairs from the platform. Her hands were in the air, and she was clearly full of the spirit. Three years later, on June 14th, 19... I commanded every spirit affecting her to flee, particularly the spirit of stroke. Following my prayer, she almost ran down the stairs from the platform. 
Her hands were in the air, and she was clearly full of the Holy Spirit. Three years later, on June 14, 1995, she came to another meeting in a nearby town and testified. Three years later, on June 14, 1995, she came to another meeting in a nearby town and testified. As she had gone back to her seat in Katikati, she told us she had felt God's healing. For the next week, she had experienced jolts in her body through something, correction. She felt jolts through her body, though something was moving in and out. Now she was able to run up and down the stairs. She was able to write, and the left side of her body was totally healed from the effects of the stroke, including her eye. And after three years, the doctors still could find no trace of the diabetes she had for 41 years. Unquestionably, she had received a miracle as the demonic power was cast out. Okay, this is the end of uh, chapter 20. Demons of Sickness and Infirmity. This is Derek Prince's book entitled, They Shall Expel Demons.